Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to a rowdy episode of The Pants Party. Uh, I am one of the hosts, Harrison Starr, joined as always, Ben Ross. It's been a couple weeks since we last chatted, Ben, and in that time, your number two college team won the college football playoff. So here's your victory Mm -hmm. lap for your Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, it's been two weeks, so the sheen has worn off a little bit. Please don't trot out Stetson Bennett next year. Just don't do it. That's they're going to. They're absolutely going to. Like JT Daniels has already transferred or has already entered the portal. Um and I know they probably have sixteen four star and five star quarterbacks still on the roster, but Stetson Bennett, I mean, all eleven of those Georgia players are going all eleven of those Georgia defensive players are going to the NFL draft. <laughs> Stetson Bennett didn't win that. Stetson win Stetson Bennett didn't win that NFL championship, like Nicole Dean and Jordan Davis and all those guys did and um the the corner whose name I can't remember right now, but like I think it's seen S I N E or sign. Um it's, it's Georgia's gonna win eight games next year with Stetson Bennett quarterback tops. And so I love the love the win. Wish I would have gone down it was in India. I could have spent all the money I'd saved during lockdown the past two years. <laughs> I mean, and it pro- honestly it probably would have been worth it. Um, probably would have been the best live sport event I've ever attended. So, but I'm happy for the dogs and, um, I kind of have to believe, I don't know if it's going to be the start of the end for Alabama and Nick Saban. I mean, he's going to be, I think, is he older than Kirk? I think he is by about, I think he is too. I think he's like way older maybe. than people think. I Isn't think he's well into 70 years old? Oh, I think he's beyond 70. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Oh, he is 70. Yeah. So, yeah, he'll be 71 when the season starts next year. Um, I don't know. It's getting up there. I mean, the case for it being the beginning of the end for Nick, Nick Saban, and, like, I think it's the beginning beginning because he's bringing back a ton of guys. He literally brought in a transfer from, from Georgia who is I mean, a wide receiver. He's, he's got the Heisman winner returning at quarterback. And he's Nick Saban. But, I, but, but the case for it being the beginning of the end is just, you look at the recruiting rankings, and I don't want to turn this into like a Georgia podcast, but like, it's insane. What, number one, number one, number five, number one? I mean, you can trot out whatever quarterback you want and get into the top four with a recruiting profile like that. Stetson Bennett made plays. He had one hell of a morning after interview, but to your point, I'm not sure he can be the guy you ride to get there again. Well, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's like, I, I listened to podcast after podcast and read article after article about, you know, uh, covering George's win the, the following week and the following days. And, you know, the overarching thing was, like, all Stetson Bennett had to do was make four or five plays, and they won. What do we say? Who else do we – what other program has a quarterback situation like that, Harrison? Oh, it's the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I, I was. And thinking- here's the thing. If I went Stetson Bennett, I think they go undefeated in the regular season. I, that's, not a, that's not an insane take because you look at their two losses. No, it's not. Oh, if I if I were the starting quarterback for the reigning national championship team, they'd go undefeated in, in the Big Ten West. Yes, I know it's not a hot take, but like, 
I mean, this is there's a nice asterisk with Stetson Bennett, I think. The case for that take is the beginning of the Purdue and Wisconsin games could not have started worse for Iowa in terms of three and out after getting the ball close to midfield against Wisconsin, lining up in five wide, one of the great overthinks of the bye week. And then against Purdue, interception on the first drive. And then you're behind the eight ball against the team that has Iowa's number. And that, that that's how it was in both of those games. Uh, Iowa was playing teams that constantly were their foil. And with the Stetson Bennett type, excuse me, Stetson Bennett explicitly, he probably doesn't make those mistakes. Well, and like, also here's the thing is like, I think Stetson Bennett is the runner that we thought Alex Padilla is too. Yeah. Right? Like he yes. had, he had 260 rushing yards um, this year. And it's like, that'd be really, that's a big number for an Iowa quarterback. Yeah. I guess maybe to put a bow on the national championship conversation in nine months, Ben, how many Stetsons, Bennett's and Bennett's are running around Athens, Georgia, not running, but like being born. I would say in the state of Georgia, there will be like, I I don't know how to like quantify it, but I I would say there's like a 10, like 10% of the boys born will be named Stetson. Okay. I think that's it. I I think that's a good number. I think that's a good number. Yeah. I feel good about that. My God, there are going to be so many Stetsons running around in 18 years in Georgia. Like they're all going to be Stetson. Every single one of them. I'm going to meet so many, like I've got cousins who are live in Chicago and they're moving back down to Georgia. And like, I will, I'll go visit them. I'm going to meet so many dogs named Stetson yeah. when I go down there. Like, if I get a dog, I Stetson would probably be a top three name if it was a bo- if I got a male dog. He'd, he'd make my short list so fast. I, and not I, even just because of Stetson Bennett. I think Stetson's a great name for a dog. It is. It is. Here's, <laughs> here's what is totally undersold. Why is more – is it just me seeing his last name with the IV across? Why is it more being made, made of the T-I-V, Tiv? I, that's a good fake name, a good weird name, or am I just being weird? You're being weird. Okay, all right. Moving on, Ben, to mm-hmm. more recent football. Uh, the divisional oh, yeah. rounds, I'm sure you watched much more of it than I did. I caught – the last three and a half quarters of the Packers game and the last two and a half minutes plus overtime of the uh, Chiefs Bills. Life gets in the way, man. Um, But from what I saw, an incredible weekend. I mean, yeah, I was, I haven't communicated it super strongly on here, but I watched so little NFL. Yeah, it's like this year is without question the least amount of NFL football I've watched. Like when the Vikings are good, I'll watch every I'll watch all the Vikings games. But when when they're bad, I won't even bother tuning in. And like not only were like they were they were good momentarily this year, but like I just hate Kirk Cousins so much I couldn't bring myself to like watch them. <laughs> like I would only watch Kirk Cousins if I like if he ended up you know if they were truly great or something or if they were playing the Bears, I guess and. Overall, like everything I was reading was like this was like one of the least <clears throat> competitive NFL regular seasons of all time, and then now we just had probably the best playoff weekend in NFL history. Like the the game, the Chiefs Chiefs Bills last night will probably go down as the most watched non Super Bowl NFL game of the past ten twenty years. I bet um, those numbers are probably already out, so I haven't even watched. I haven't even looked. But it's just, you know, you can't ask for what happened to Aaron Rodgers to happen to just a more deserving person. Love that. I know you're a Packers fan, but I don't care. Um, he he entered then, the Kirk Cousins zone for me. He, for, for, yeah, but, okay, but that that's fine. But, but like he's Aaron also an Rogers incredible match. quarterback. He's actually, yeah, he's actually fucking awesome. So, like, <laughs> it'd be way easier to overlook 
<clears throat> that stuff when you're an MV- I mean, he's the front runner to win the MVP yeah. still, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, even if Kirk Cousins was decent, like you can, like he's probably the epitome of decent. I will argue that he's absolutely not. Um, and it's just like, and like talking about decency, I with Brady losing yesterday too. I couldn't believe it. Did you know? Do you know Matt Stafford's career record against winning teams overall? Oh, tell me. Yesterday, going into the game, it was ten and seventy. He has won ten games. He has won ten games in his NFL career against teams with a winning record. I mean, that just that he he played for the Lions. That's a Lions deal. I'm not going to put that. That's what everybody says. Every I mean, everybody says that, but like he he had a. I mean, he had a Hall of Fame. He was thrown to a Hall of Fame wide receiver. You know, that's true. And he did have entire time. And Dominican Sue. He did have time. Oh, did you see them exchange? Well, you didn't watch the game. They had a moment yeah. yesterday. It was very cool. And like, and it wasn't a cool moment. It was Domicon Sue fucking. Oh, I guess this is now that you reminded me. I'll tell a story hanging out this weekend with a former Iowa State football player. Um, and he was it's when Sue Sue and um Stafford were jawing back at each other. He was telling me, hey. Um, I th- he, when they play, they played Nebraska when they were still in the Big Twelve, and I can't remember if they beat him or lost. But he was just said he went over um, to Dondamakansu at the end of the game and said, "Hey, you're the best player I've ever played against. Like, good luck with everything." And you know, he, you know what he said to Dondamakansu said back to him, he said, "Yeah, fuck I know. you, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> That's so much ruder than it could have been. Or it is be. just like, <laughs> just very funny. Like he and he told the story much better than I just did, but <laughs> that was pretty good. And the, I mean, a cool story too. He also said he played against um, Von Miller when he was at A and M. He said Von Miller was probably the best, like one of the better players he played against. It was very gracious. Um, and I think I think they beat. He said that they beat A and M. Oh wow! The years he was he was playing, and um, and that was just a. He said it was a special moment. He also said when he walked out of the tunnel at. What is it? Is it is it Allen Field where A and M plays? I don't know. Kyle Field. The, I think yeah, I was thinking Kyle Allen. So yeah, yeah it is Kyle Field. Um, the uh, you when you walk the tunnel, the the visitors tunnel is uh, where the student section is, and uh, they throw batteries at the opposing team, which is um, <clears throat> sort of what I expect out of A and M, I suppose, but. Uh, some cool anecdotes over the weekend. Yeah, that tracks. I mean, can you? I. It's one thing for the players, but like, imagine being a coach running out and having to be like, Ugh. right? Because like, it, I mean, they yeah, have their pads and their helmets on. Maybe you get bruised on, you know, mm-hmm. an exposed part. But man, to be a coach, that would not be fun. But Brad, batteries tracks for for A yeah. and M fans. I guess before before we turn to different matters. Basketball matters. Do, do we have anything that we want to discuss with the end of the Chiefs-Bills game? Because I have like four or five takes. Just rapid fire I'm ready to do. Um, only take, and you probably t- touch on this, is totally fine with the overtime rules. Good. Same. Because okay. great. Because th- they had their chance to win. The Bills had their chance to win mm-hmm. a, a number of different ways. First, squib kick. Easy. They, I don't know why you don't do that. And just... I don't get it. I, I, I will not get it. Even if you're horrified about the returner. Mm-hmm. Trust, they, had, they did have Tyreek. They did have Tyreek back there. Trust that you can still... The time that it takes is worth the yardage you give up on the squib kick. The second one is I wanted to see them do one of two insane things in those 13 seconds. I wanted to see them either go for two after scoring the touchdown to put Kansas City in a mm-hmm. position where they would have to score a touchdown in 13 seconds instead of just the the field goal that they had to do. And then it justifies, if you get up four, it justifies – kicking it deep because 75 yards in 13 seconds is a lot different. Um, 
Although, who knows, like, crazy stuff happens and maybe you lose on one of the greatest plays of all time. The other one is an onside kick to start overtime. That would have been something I seriously considered if I was McDonough. That's his name, right? McDonough? Mm-hmm. Just because you're your defense off- is dead. Yeah. And you're yielding. You're already going to let them into that territory. So just give it to them. And maybe they then overthink it. And at least you're kicking a f- You have to come back and score after a field goal. Um, it, it was just classic playing not to lose. I think those were really the three takes that I had. I guess the two-point conversion I just disagree with. because It's insane. It's asinine. Yeah, uh, okay, like, okay. The uh, the onside kick isn't something I'd ever thought of or entertain, but now, you know, 24 hours after the game ended, I think, obviously, that, that's an inter- interesting idea. Um, final thing is, I the squib kick, obviously... I think they maybe wasn't overthink, especially when they did put Tyree. They did put Tyree Kill back there, and I think they might have changed it after they saw him because I think he tried it out at kind of the last second. Um, my whole thing is always one in doubt, kicking deep, always, always, always. I have seen the squib kick backfire more often than I've seen it work, so uh, that doesn't really bug me. Okay, I think and we. Then, oh yeah. Final final take is in like I, in overtime watching or not overtime and watching, um, you know the Chiefs go down and force it, uh, and they were getting all all three of the Chiefs wide receivers were getting eight yards of cushion. Yeah, like not even getting that. Just so thrilled because that solidified the Bears hiring Bills defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier. So I'm just really glad that. He got that tryout in front of Bears fans everywhere because that's absolutely who they're going to hire. So, so I was watching cool on mute. Him. That's why they were constantly flashing to Leslie Frazier was because that he, he's a candidate for these jobs. They didn't really bring it up explicitly to okay. my recollection. I just know that he's been basically the front runner. The even before this game, to okay. I mean, he played for the Bears, and they always their last two coaching hires have been uh, offensive minded. Yeah, and one of the and and what's his face Nagy was from the Andy Reid well, so they don't want to go back there again. Um, and you know the stupid Bears fucking mantras, defense, defense, defense. So I think they will go with the defensive coordinator this time. Yeah, I think we talked about NFL enough that I don't have to. I'm so yeah. I'm the Packers, the Packers, though, man. Like after watching Iowa win games in the dumbest fashion, watching the Packers lose in the dumbest fashion, just well. NFL, I guess we need to talk about the NFL here. It's Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. He's he, won three playoff games without throwing a touchdown. Spent. I mean, <laughs> it justifies the way yes. Iowa does things, even though it is a different sport. Like. Iowa football and college football is already a different sport, but college football and the NFL is another different sport. And it's like somehow it, it all just goes into that. What is it? Uh, I don't know. It justifies the way they do it. Yeah. Time is flat circle. The sports, a flat circle. I played with the, an oblong ball, but now we got round ball. Ben, I remember, When we left it, we had brief takes at the end, and all I could remember talking about was just Rabracha, Rabracha, Rabracha. Really, the only thing I could think about, like, this guy's going to start getting it. And after playing IU, Minnesota, Rutgers, and Penn State going 3-1, and Iowa's back to 500 in conference with Purdue coming up now. He's one of the guys who's really turned a corner for the Hawkeyes, it would seem, as well as Chris Murray, uh, playing some really, really great basketball, particularly against IU. And then Keegan kind of making his way. And then I I think the one guy you mentioned that's, I I think, kind of flown under it a little bit is Patrick. I think he's had his share of good plays and good moments, and he's averaging close to double digits, if not double digits. Iowa has guys, and they're they're trending in the right direction with Purdue up here. Uh, so I guess kind of as we 
look at the last couple of weeks of Iowa basketball, what has stuck out to you? Uh, I guess what stuck out to me, I'll get to the ob- most obvious thing last. I will, I'll address the Robracha thing. I remember the last thing you said when talking about him is, I absolutely love Robracha. And I said, I, I said, I like Robracha. I'd love him if he was four inches taller. Um, and I mean, you're, you've been vindicated. I, I'm not ready. I'm, I, I still mean that, but he's played great. And I, I think, inarguably, if Eric, he's the second most important player on this team after Keegan Murray. Um, I don't think you could make the argument he's more important than Keegan Murray because that's stupid. But I think he's, I think, I think he's without question. Like, if he were to go, miss any significant time rest of the year, like I was chances of making the tournament are, are zero. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think so. why. So like he, he went down, he went down hard in yeah. the Rutgers game. And, and I was he eventually so left. scared. I was, I was very, so scared that he was yeah. going to miss the Purdue game and, or excuse me, the Penn state game, knowing Penn state has a guy in her mm-hmm. R who goes after rebounds. Um, Iowa needs Rebracha. And I don't know if importance is the right word, but like the second most necessary player on this team, just because he allows the lineup to one, I, I think having Chris's sixth man, I think I'm in the minority, but I really like it just because he can be so streaky. And with a kid like Rebracha, who's, I mean, the, the man's an adult. Like, I mean, he's not a kid. He's like 24 years old. Um, Rebracha is a professional and can handle when Chris takes his minutes. So I think that having Chris off the bench, it allows Rebracha to maybe play a little freer because uh, he can ke- get some ticky tack fouls, which is fine. It's whatever. Um, but it allows Fran to stagger the Murrays a little more while still playing them together. And I think that that's important for this team because listening to Shrewsbury talk on Sunday, Saturday, whatever day it was, he talked about like no team in the league can do what Iowa does in terms of throwing out Keegan Murray and then throwing out someone who looks exactly like Keegan Murray. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know why it didn't click with me before, but I think Robracha starting at the five allows that to happen a little smoother. And then here, here's the thing on the Murrays is like, and then going back to what you're saying with Pat too, it's like, it's a good thing Pat is having a really incredible year because I think quietly, maybe not so quietly, um, because if he was kind of stinking it up, it would be, I think it'd be pretty ugly of Fran to be giving him so many, the minute disparity is rather, is pretty significant between him and, him and Chris. And mm-hmm. I know Chris is maybe a more natural person to replace somebody like Robracha, but like, I also don't think he would be out. He's certainly wouldn't be out of place at the four or, or three where, where Pat's been running around. So, and there's been times where I've wanted that, you know, it's not, not as recently because I think Pat kind of, Got Iowa out of a shooting slump in the early in the first half against Penn State. I think he didn't hit back to back threes, um, or maybe yeah. two two threes in just like a one minute span. Um, and so and Pat, and Pat's been and he's really good on the inbound. He's just he's playing great. I think he's he had some hiccups early, and I mean even Connor is um, playing some. It's like interesting to see him do what he's doing without like Luca Garza, and it, honestly, it's make me appreciate him more, right? Because like. Everything Connor did last year was like a function of having the best player in the country on the team. Mm-hmm. And now Connor's able to, his impact is more profound when he's doing what he's doing with Sean Bohannon and uh, Toussaint and Aaron Euless around him, right? Yeah, I think the McCaffreys are always going to draw. This is They're the first, gonna... I, before you get to your point, this is the first time I can remember ever hearing chants of daddy's boy towards either Pat or Connor when w- watching games on TV. Yeah. And, and, and I, stadiums, arenas. I just think they, they draw crossfire from Fran. And I think that's unfair, but I also think like the kids are tough as hell uh, and can withstand it. And I I just have a soft spot for him. Connor I probably likes. Little... He's a Connor has to be a masochist. He, I bet he <laughs> fucking loves it. He, oh yeah. I mean, Con- Connor. He's someone who's doesn't 
he he was what like a top 120 150 recruit so like he skilled enough but with baseball with all the injuries he's stacked up he's not that tall like when I went to the game and saw him live I was kind of surprised by the fact that Tony Perkins looked taller than him and Tony Perkins certainly plays taller than than him but Tony Perkins doesn't look all that big so like Connor's this tiny kid playing the four a lot of the times, always in there for rebounds. And they just bring a toughness that I I think your point's really good. It it stands out in the absence of Luca Garza because you do look at their stats and like Connors especially, it's like he's a zero offensively in terms of uh points. Like quite literally. 1.2 points in 16 minutes a game. But he doesn't make mistakes. Damn near a 5 to 1 assist to turnover ratio. And the one that blows me away is Con- Patrick is kind of right there with him. Uh, I was looking at Ken Palm earlier today. Lowest turnover rate on the team. He's got a 3 to 1 assist ratio himself looking at sports reference right now. And I think people are always going to see that they're France kids. But they're kind of stacking pretty good seasons, even though they're asked to do a lot of different things than they were last year, both for Pat and, and for Connor. And, and I think we're kind of in the minority with that take, but I also think like if you can't see what Connor kind of brings to this team, he, he's just, he's kind of a litmus test for what I think of someone w- when they talk about basketball. Maybe that's unfair. Also, and maybe it's my blind spot. 16 minutes a game. 16. Yeah. One six. Yeah. Like, if it was any more than that, it'd be a little bit eyebrow-raising, but I feel like that's a really good number for him. Yeah, and I think it's funny because, like, Fran's done a pretty good job of staggering them. I I don't think they occupy a lot of the same space. Um, Just the simple math shows that, like, they don't really, like, they overlap less than a minute a game on average. Um, But really, it's just like... They do a lot, and the thing that stuck out to Patrick that came out of nowhere against Rutgers was, one, he had to shoot free throws that he wasn't necessarily prepared to take. He made one for two, but then on the next possession, he got a layup out of nowhere that Iowa needed. And there's probably a case Iowa should try and run more offense through him, and this was something that was kind of talked about in our Slack. It's hard to, though kind of find the right guys around him to run the offense through him because you need shooters out there. And that's kind of been a thing about this team that shooters are not a plenty like they were last year. Shooters don't exist. And I mean, that's my final point is you can probably, you probably don't need two guesses to figure out. All I'll say is I think player X has, not so quietly crossed the line of demarcation. We need to figure out a clever way to work out Josh Oglesby's name into it because it's just like a shooter who can't shoot. And I know you were kind of happy with his defense, but it's like, you can't tell me, hold on to finish or let me finish is you, you just can't tell me that playing Tony Perkins over Jordan Bohannon isn't a net plus. I'll, and taking defense into account as well. Like you can't tell me that Tony Perkins is doing things on defense that Jordan Bohan or isn't doing things on defense that Jordan Bohan can do. You just Certainly can't not. tell me that. No, 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 no. Okay. I, I, I 100% agree. I think if, if it's through the lens of defense that Perkins probably needs more minutes, I, I think that I'm not going to necessarily contest that, but I think Bohannon has upped his game because he knows what, if he's not making it, and if he's lack lackadaisical on defense, then very easy to put Perkins in there because a, a Jordan Bohannon who isn't making his shots, Perkins is better than that. But Bohannon just has such. I mean, he has a history. He has three seasons where he's shot over forty percent in the Big Ten from three. You just have to trust that it's going to flip, and. I think by nature of his position, he is like really, truly gunning, like to go four for 16 in uh, combined between the Rutgers game and the game before. 
that's a lot of shots to take and miss. Like, or maybe it's four of 18. Um, but I will also need someone to take those shots, especially when, you know, against, against the Rutgers, he shouldn't have to take that many shots. It should be Keegan who has kind of the, the, the advantage for a number of different reasons. But again, Bohannon is always going to be the one who catches strays and direct shots. Right. I mean, I, I think that, um, He's who he is, and he's what he is on a basketball court. And I think that um, when he's not making shots, it's going to be really easy to uh, think someone should play over him. I, I don't think that that's a wild take by any stretch of the imagined, Ben. I will say, though, it's like I can't – I don't think you – this was your your words, but I think you lightly agreed with that somebody in the Slack said like maybe Peyton Sanford should yes. be getting more minutes over that. I don't know if I agree with that. I haven't been impressed by any. I, and granted, Sanford's played next to nothing. Like I, Sanford hasn't done a single thing for me yet where it's like I wish he played more. I think the thing about Sanford is like he is such a volume shooter that it's hard to discern like. where I was been in trouble in the past with falling in love with the three point shot is they they'll take it so early in the shot clock that the floor's not balanced appropriately. So they'll let runouts happen on defense and give up easy baskets. And, and I think that that's part of why Sanford does have a little bit of a short leash is just, he, he's a very willing shooter um, I think that, that that's a good thing, but I think the way to curtail him from shooting super quickly is by just not playing him. And I kind of think he probably deserves the cursory five minutes in, in the first half just to see if he's got his shot. But uh, I understand it. Like when it when Patrick's three of four and a half oh, we need Sanford in there to shoot instead of Patrick. No, that doesn't make any sense. So, like, some of it's just the way these games kind of sort out. Um, But Sanford's always someone that you have a shooter. It's always kind of worth just taking them for a test drive, seeing what they have. But it is college basketball. You only have 30 games. You only have 40 minutes in those games. It's not like the NBA where you have 48 minutes, 82 games, and you can ride – a super hot Peyton Sanford performance for 20 minutes. You can't necessarily do that in college. Jordan Bohannon is 11 of 38 from three in his last five games. And that includes a three of six effort against Wisconsin. If you take that out, he's eight of 32 in four games. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's cold. Like I, I, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> and I do think what is interesting to see is, he Fran also isn't forcing the issue all that much. He's playing 25 minutes a game, which is actually where he was when he, he was injured that year. Um, so his, his minutes have come down. Um, and I, I think the, the thing that's always been the case with Bohannon is if he's not making his shots, it probably makes sense per, to get Perkins in there, but then Perkins ha- Perkins will have, some really Tasmanian devil type moments that Fran just doesn't have much patience for. And I think he's been a little looser with his leash. Um, and I hate kind of referring to this as leashes, but whatever. Um, I think Perkins has had opportunities to work through some problems that he's had at times. Um, but sometimes he just gets him in weird spots and turns it over and, but he's also the guy that can be three steps behind and block the shot on the other end. Like, I mean, he, he does some things on a basketball court that are kind of insane. Like that basket he had against Harar. I mean, that guy's six, eight inches taller than him. And he, he bodied him. I mean, yeah, there, I, I hope Perkins turns out to be a nice player for us. Um, 
it is year two, and usually, like, I feel like if it ha- doesn't happen year two, it might not happen. But, you know, he, he barely played last year, and <clears throat> he's, you know, behind the program golden boy and to a, to a lesser extent, <laughs> yeah. coach's son. I mean, yeah. it's true. No, no it, it, um, I th- yeah. But so I mean, uh, next year, I mean, he's sticking around for sure. I have no reason to believe. Like, there's a moment where I was worried that maybe him and Euless were going to leave next last year. But I think they're they're both in it for the long haul, a long haul now. And um, just you know, I don't want to think about next year too much because, I mean, gun to your head right now. I, the whole point of this is is Iowa attorney team. I mean, I I think so. They're four and four right now. Um... I think the Rutgers loss is their worst loss. It'll be interesting to see how that Iowa State loss looks in two months, uh, or I guess a month and a half. Jeez Louise, we we get to March fast. Um, I know. It'll be interesting to see what those two losses look like in a few weeks. Um, but they don't have anything they can't come back from. And I think the schedule sets up nicely. Uh, I was looking at it the other day and I, I think they're going to have to get one against um, either Purdue, Michigan, Michigan State or Illinois and those first three games come at at home. So if they're able to to get to 11 wins in the Big Ten, I think that almost that, that would put them in lock territory. And, and then it's probably a function of, well, can you win a game or two in the Big Ten <clears> tournament? And if you can does that get you into kind of that six range? I would love if Iowa could be a six, a six seed. Um, I think they can do a lot of damage from that, from that spot. I agree. If they end up, you know, with 11 wins in the big 10, that they'll, they're a lock. Um, usually when I was, in, it's changed a little bit. When I was in school, it was 10, you go, you aim for 10 wins in the big 10 and you're usually typically a lock a lot. Like now, like 11, you kind of need, you're on that fence. Um, I disagree, though. I just don't. I don't see. I don't see seven or eight more wins on the schedule for Iowa. I just don't. And um, especially with Michigan, it looks like they're kind of yeah. getting hot. We play them twice in two or three weeks um, to, to close out the season. Uh, I guess you know Michigan's last two games were Maryland and Indiana, and they lost by seventeen to Illinois just almost a week ago. So. Yeah, so maybe here's, not either. Here's the six pencils that I have. And all, like, I mean, you need to turn the pencil into pen, right? I mean, that's part of it. But Penn State, Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska, Nebraska again, Northwestern. Those games are darn near must win. I guess win right, yeah. If they need to get in. And then they need to get one of Purdue at Ohio State home against Michigan, home against Michigan State, away against Michigan, away against Illinois. The schedule has done Iowa no favors. I need to go back and do something because three away games in their final four games, that's brutal. Monday night, senior night, that's a lot of fun. Well, that's brutal. And also, like, the schedule thing is they have three weekend games and one yeah. isn't one on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it's the second straight. I, I did a Super Bowl Sunday thing post last year where I was played the most Super Bowl Sunday games of any Big Ten team um, in the in the Fran McCaffrey era. And again, just freaking stinks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that sucks. Who, who makes a schedule? I mean, we know who, but like, it sucks. Yeah, Patrick said it well, I think, on Twitter. Uh, we should play more Saturday games, but I'm, I'm a small voice. or I, I, My opinion doesn't matter, something like that. Yeah, find the why. So we have, uh, let's, let's call it 20 minutes left, Ben. Um, talk about the Iowa football saga. And I'm going to preface it here that... There are two competing stories. And I think the one story that everyone is universally aligned to is that it is better for Iowa players now. Everyone is aligned to that. 
that life is better for Iowa football players now than it was two years ago. That's not the discussion that I think we're going to have. The discussion we're going to have is what I've referred to as the palace intrigue, where Kirk Ferentz is given a extension and raise, I would say deserved if we go 100% on field because he's a top 10 to 15 coach and he's now paid like a top 10 to 15 coach. I said this in my write-up last week. I just think that's fair. Um, But around it, it happened two weeks before it was announced. In that time span, he dissolved the initial version of the advisory committee with some thought in terms of how it would evolve, how much benefit of the doubt one is willing to give Kirk that on January 11th, when he dissolved, he knew where he wanted it to go. Uh, I don't really want to have that discussion, but wrapped around it, it, it's just been a mess of their own making ultimately. And I'm going to kind of, I think I set the facts straight enough. Like, I, I don't think I got anything wrong. Um, there's a contentious meeting in October that's worth discussing, but I think I'll, I'll tee it up to you, Ben, in a, a little haphazard way. Uh, where, where do you kind of stand with this? I mean, I guess there's a lot of layers to it and sort of all of my thoughts on it are more or less bullet point. Um, What's the name of the guy who was calling for Ferentz's firing? I can't remember his name right now. Oh, Jesse Washington. Jesse Washington. Yeah. Former, uh, former All Big Ten offensive lineman, right? In, in the oh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. David Porter. David Porter. David uh, Porter. I was going to say that doesn't sound right. Who's Jesse yeah. Washington? He was the guy who wrote the undefeated piece. Oh, okay. Well, that's. I'm going to get to that at the end. Okay. Um, David Porter. Let me just start by saying. If I was the head of a committee, like Kirk Ferentz, or like if I was not Kirk Ferentz isn't the head of the committee, but if he oversaw the committee, I guess, and somebody on the committee was ask, telling me, recommending I get fired, and I had the ability to fire that person, <laughs> I would fire that person without question. Wouldn't th- I do it every day of the week and twice on Sundays? So I do not fault. Kirk Ferentz for canning David Porter. Um, and that being said, I don't think that's the, I don't think those are totally the facts. I do. I guess this is haphazard because I, I will be bouncing around a little bit. It's like, I, the first thing I want to like mention, this is probably because like, I do have a background in journalism and I actually, you know, I'm a, in a way a Cedar Rapids Gazette alumni. I was an intern there one summer. Um, they took, so they, you know, the reporter and that newspaper ate so much shit in the days leading back, or, you know, in the aftermath of it. And it was like, they never got anything wrong, like, from a facts perspective. The, what they, they did things I don't, wouldn't do in that it seems like they only spoke to David Porter and it didn't seem like, it didn't seem like they, if they reached out to other members of the committee, they didn't make it clear in the reporting. But at the same time, too, I also sort of got the feeling based off of Jordan Lomax's single tweet, who Jordan Lomax, former player, who I actually covered when I was at the at the Cedar Rapids Gazette and the Daily Iowan. Um, and I can't, I, I don't have enough nice things to say about him, um, but that's not really important. I mean, he just had one tweet, and, and he he declined to go on Pat Hardy's show, so I have to assume that he would have declined other media opportunities as well. Um, the same way Kirk Ferentz declined to give a statement to the Gazette or um, the Register. The he did. He let, did. Let, he did give it to the Gazette. He gave the Gazette that. No, but did he give email. you a statement? It was was it? Bruce Steve Rowe. So, like, this is this is where yeah. like. This is where, like, I think to your point, a lot of ambiguity, right? I think that's kind mm-hmm. of where where you're leading is like the amount of ambiguity that existed in the reporting 
is tough, has been tough for the Gazette to overcome. And I, sorry, I don't want to step on too much of your point. No, but. and I mean, that's ba- that's basically the gist of <clears throat> what my thing is. You know, some of the things on the face that Porter, and I don't even know if I say alleging, but like I, I do believe him when he says that like Iowa football coaches weren't respondent um, to things. I can't blame Iowa football coaches for not wanting to sit on a 30-minute Zoom mid-season. Um, I can blame them for not, you know, for coming to that 30-minute Zoom, like, totally unprepared. Um, like, there was one question that Porter wanted everybody to answer. It's just about, like, what are you going to do to improve, what, like, equality and the feeling of uh, equal? Yeah, just a feeling of, of equality in the locker room was the gist of it, right? And mm-hmm. only, like, I think only three coaches – or it was it three coaches or no coaches had a prepared answer to that question. So it's like, I no, mean, it's there great. were some came prepared and some didn't. That's okay. been the reporting that I've seen. I haven't seen how it split up. Uh, mm-hmm. The Gazette reported one person had the point where they said, why does it matter? We're white. Mm-hmm. I, don't want to postulate, but that's a bad line for someone to say. Mm-hmm. It hasn't mm-hmm. been refuted uh, in the other reporting that I've seen. And then the other one that was interesting was Lysta Cow reported on the podcast that they had that someone walked out. And like, I'm surprised they all just didn't walk out once 30 minutes hit. Like, I mean, that thing ran two and a half hours and like, ugh. Brutal. Like a coach walked out or a committee yeah. member walked out? Or a, sta- I mean, a staff member walked out. Two and a half hours. I've, I'm surprised that not well, more did. And then wasn't it wasn't it a Zoom meeting too? I thought it wasn't in person. Yeah, it was Zoom. It was Zoom. Yeah. Do you know how many freaking work calls I've left because I <laughs> didn't want to be there? <laughs> or like I had other calls like – and none yeah. of them were two and a half hours long. So like that doesn't really bug me either. I guess like what bugs not, me uh, – yeah. What bugs me is like this, all this comes on the heels of Kirk's extension, which they could have made public. If they would have made this extension public when they extended him, like this wouldn't be as compounded of a snowball, right? I think they missed a huge opportunity. Like, I I think that what's frustrating is that first point that I made, it's better for the students. I think that that's been lost in the national narrative, certainly. Um, and this ultimately comes down to PR, right? Because David Porter has some things that he wishes Iowa had done better. Um, I think the October meetings won. Um, he's been pretty focused on like some of the discussion around academics. It sounds like it is an area where he's been frustrated and then mentorship with Iowa football players and Iowa football alumni. I think those are kind of the three areas that really built a wedge. And I think Kirk had an opportunity to, everyone would would have seen the writing on the wall after this October meeting that we've just ran our course with this. The DEI stuff, I think, is probably a function of something that the the university has through Broderick Bins that they needed to run. So... Porter had this meeting to, to try and just get it for, for whatever reason. Um, and, and just, you know, keep in touch, make sure that, you know, the season's running smoothly with respect to this. Cause that was part of the, the issue that happened in 2019 was that Kirk never came back after the holiday bowl, just assumed winning was good enough. And Porter wanted to make sure that it was still some focus on that. Um, but to me, the missed opportunity is not just is Kirk not just extending the Pete, the olive branch to Porter and saying, Hey, you've done great work. I know you're focused. You love this mentorship idea. That's the role I want you to do for the next, however long. Um, because I think what happened with Porter and what you see with tons of volunteer committees, right? Is one person, ends up taking it very, very seriously where other people may not take it quite as seriously. And I think that um, 
the most empathetic way to look at it from Porter's perspective is that he just got wrapped up, whether it was uh, uh, power hungries, yada, 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 whatever, like, but he, he had reached his breaking point with the committee. And I think it sucks because you announce the extension, you announce the good work that the committee's done. You announce Porter moving into a different role and the fact that everyone will, uh, you know, they'll find new people for the committee all in one press release. And I think everyone says, you know what, that's good. But instead they, they didn't report any of it on their own and allowed it to have a mind of its own as these stories are wont to have. I guess the thing for me in that, and this is just sort of put the bow on everything and <clears throat> going back to the undefeated piece that Jesse Washington wrote. It's like, he even, this is what, and this is what does it for me. Like he even concedes that this season so far, and there's nothing to make me believe that this, will, this number is going to change, but we, it's been the lowest attrition rate for black, yeah. not just black players, but players overall mm-hmm. from the Iowa football program. To me, the proof is in the pudding. Like, if we were seeing attrition rates back to where they were mid-2000s, like, I think post-2012, 13, 14, where, <clears throat> like, 10 guys, you know, and, and players like Jonathan Parker and um, Derek Willies, like, uh, were were transferring on a program, that'd be, like, it'd be, like, like at the time, Derek Willies, I, I'd say, was, like, an Arlen Bruce caliber. I think Bruce is better, but, like, an Arlen Bruce caliber recruit and, and player. And him, like, if, if Bruce were to transfer or Keegan, like Keegan Johnson were to transfer this offseason, uh, outside of the racism stuff, I that, that'd be a five-alarm fire to me because that's, that's not that, – that'd just be like a culture thing. I guess that is – racism is part of the culture, I suppose. But, like, that'd just be, like, really, really, really scary to me. And, like, and then and then going back to Owen Bruce, quote tweets, Jesse Washington <laughs> yeah. calls it clickbait. It's like that's all I need to see. It really does, and I will offer the counter that I did. I've read too many of the replies to the Jesse Washington tweet, his initial tweet, and and I think this is an interesting perspective. It was like somebody had responded to you know to some some guy who was <clears throat> uh, bashing Kirk in the Iowa program, saying like, "Look at Lomax's tweet and Arlen Bruce's tr- tweet. Like, I bet you feel stupid now." And he was saying, like, his – and then the other guy's rebuttal was, like, you know, two years ago, we were saying that the problem was nobody was listening. It, it, that in the Iowa football program, nobody was listening to the Iowa players. And now we're supposed to believe what the Iowa players are saying, I guess. Or, like, uh, I he articulated – this fucking Twitter guy articulated better. But it was, like, you – Iowa players were getting ridiculed for not having a voice and leaving. And now – we're supposed to believe what they're saying, I guess, is is the crux of the argument. And I guess that just that falls flat on its face for me. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Washington, he came out, he had kind of a, he had a Twitter thread about it. He linked Life's to Cow's five questions piece. Um, and what he ultimately said is like, once again, the sentiment is better at from the Iowa players. He, he said it wasn't universal, but it was overwhelming. Um, as I remember the tweet, but he also said it would be the dumbest thing for any current student athlete to come out publicly against Kirk, both in the past, if they had said, no, you can't fix this. Um, that would have been a, a tough position to put yourself in as a player. One, um, if you do say that, then you are putting a bullseye on yourself if Kirk does stick around, or you are putting yourself in a worse position to get to the next level from an NFL standpoint by not having a head coach who has the the ability that Kirk has shown at getting guys into the NFL. So there are a lot of motivations to have that student perspective. But I think that is a more cynical take. Um, but I think one worthy of some thought. Um, I, I think the, the ultimate takeaway, and this was kind of something that 
that Hoya mentioned in the comments as I, I think about where does this story go in the future? And, and I think it just centers it on Brian. Like, I think that that's ultimately what it is. That was the crux of Porter's kind of salting the earth uh, email or text that he sent in terms of Kirk is too loyal to his son and his staff. I don't think he needs to add and his staff. Um, I think his staff has proved proven their worth. Um, I, I think Brian's the one, and they've proven their loyalty. Yeah, to Kirk. Exactly. Um, I think Brian's the one. You look at. We've had discussions about the COVID season, twenty twenty. You know, if you take twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one as back to back seasons, you take out twenty twenty, and I'll put up two really, really bad offensive years in 2019 and 2021. Um, Can they keep doing that and still winning uh, without having full circle top rated recruiting classes? Although the recruiting is getting better. I mean, like that's other, that's the other point that I think we didn't mention is I was, and this is a point that Kennington said in the Hawk Central podcast is I was ended up recruiting a pretty diverse class from all over the place. And that doesn't happen with a better culture. And like I said, the culture thing between the students, student athletes and the staff is one piece, the palace intrigue between the way Iowa manages it both as an athletic department, but also with this advisory committee is another thing. And that's been a a failure from a PR perspective. I ha- yeah, I, I agree exactly with your overarching point. That's mine too. And to <clears throat> go down that same road, extend it a little bit further is like, I'm going to be so, and I don't, you know, I don't revere Kirk Ferentz the way many people do. And I don't love him the way many people do, but you know, he's been the only Iowa coach I've known. So there is like, you know, better or for worse, a spot in my heart for him. And if it turns, and I, the cynic in me believes this 100%. That if it turns out that Kirk has fallen on all of these grenades and stepped on these mines to protect Brian, that is going to be so... I don't think there's anything worse for his legacy than that. That's going to be so freaking sad that, you know, it, it mirrors some parts of life that we're seeing outside of sports. In much higher stakes, where people are <clears throat> protecting not just fail sons, but fail daughters, and and fail sons are are protecting their fail fathers. It, the that like it, it's the reason that I mean the most common the best comment I read was just three words or four words. How many words this sentence is? Is this is the reason nepotism rules exist? And yeah. absolutely, like fucking retweet. I guess as you close it off, I think we landed right at right at about 20 minutes for this discussion is, is as NFL jobs get filled, I think that is the most obvious off ramp for Brian. Do we think he takes it? Do you believe the Louisiana Lafayette rumor? I saw the Louisiana tech one. I saw that. Or maybe Louisiana uh, tech. Um, the the, so the rumor seen, is Brian. The rumor is Brian applied for the head coach for uh, was it even the head coaching job? Was it the offensive yeah. coordinator job? Brian applied for the head coaching job there at Louisiana fucking Tech, and they they declined to interview him. I don't know because I saw I I was in the rabbit hole and Tom Caker had uh he had retweeted that Brian had interviewed for Louisiana Tech and Akron and said that they were both jokes or the. the Relast tweet. It was a joke. My best Tom Kicker voice. Um, I I don't think. Oh well, no. The, the Akron the Akron thing happened like a month ago. That yeah, can, we I knew that was, that was like a month ago. That we as an attack is fresh. It's like a week old. I, or, I don't. That's why I said Louis. That's why I said Lafayette. I think it's Lafayette, not Louisiana Tech. Oh, I, Lafayette's coach. Lafayette's coach just went to Florida, right? It was the Billy. Billy Na- okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. 
I'll put it this way. I don't think Brian Ferentz would apply for a job that he didn't think he could get or that he didn't know he was getting. Um, I I think his off ramps to the NFL with really wherever nice. Bill, o, Bill O'Brien yeah. ends up. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. As crazy as it is, there's a lot fewer people in the meetings for an NFL coach than there are for a college coach. And you don't have to worry about being in a public entity. Right. That's, that's um, exactly what I mean. There aren't going to be administrators and educators interviewing Brian. In an NFL job. I also think with Brian, like, there's there's precedent. Like, I look to uh, my direct north, Iowa City's west, to Ames, where Tom Manning went um, from offensive coordinator to tight end coach in the NFL back to being offensive coordinator at Iowa State. And it's position coach in the NFL is more or less a lateral move um, between a coordinator and college. And I think that's off ramp. I'm not sure he's going to take it though. Why would you take it when your dad's locked up until 2029? And that's, I mean, yes, I, I agree. Like why you're the most protected you take you take the protected check and run, and yeah, I mean, I, from the start, I always thought Brian would be an absolute idiot to leave Iowa City. Yeah, <laughs> like I wouldn't I, if I, I was him. Going back to like what I'd be doing in these people's shoes, I wouldn't. I would not. Why would I take my mouth off the teat of my dad? Maybe I'd be nicer. I guess that, that'd be the, the only thing I would change about the way Brian has done things. Maybe I would be nicer than Brian's been. Uh, yeah, but if your dad's a goddamn mayor, <laughs> like, what's the incentive of being nice? Fair enough, fair enough. Um, oh, $1.1 million is a part of the raise that goes to, uh, to, to bring this back to the Kirk Ferentz deal. The assistants get $1.1 million. How would you allocate mm-hmm. that? This is a question that I am springing on you without having any thought. I'd give it all to Phil and LeVar. That's it. Yeah. Let everybody else turn it. And so, like, I, I did I, – there was one point I did want to bring up with the extension is, like, obviously, I think Kirk's worth it. He deserves it. It's the right move. I don't like it. Here's why I don't like it. One, I mean, you're – you're bidding against yourself, but like you have, I mean, right. Like Kirk, yeah. I think Kirk is re- Kirk is retiring before he takes another job. Yeah. I believe that. And then Iowa has, the, this is what I, this is my least favorite thing. And I haven't heard a good argument. I mean, I do know the arguments against it. I'm not happy with any of them, even though there are good ones. Iowa has the luxury of having 22 years of, Results in uh, let's call inter, let's let's say it was an inter, 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 make Kirk interview for interview for his job. If you're in that interview and you know the person you're interviewing is going to win twenty percent of its his games against your biggest you know rival in Wisconsin, are you giving that person the job, Harrison? If that's the only statistic that. I'm worried about. I I assume you're going last five years one 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 time in the last five years. No, he's won two of his last. He's no, he's won two of his last ten ten games against. He's won two of his last ten games against Wisconsin. That's a fact. It was last year, 2015. That's it. So is your question if in 2012 he signs some hypothetical? extension no, you only beat no, Wisconsin twice no my 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 hypothetical is if you're hiring somebody and you just know through magic through an eight ball that that this coach because Iowa does know this yeah so if, if I'm interviewing you to co- to run this blog and I know the blog's <laughs> only going to work two days two of the of ten two out of the 10 days of the posting schedule, am I going to hire you? Probably not, but there are more things to, I know there are more to do than just beating that's, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's not. That's I not mean, deep. yeah. I mean, 
if if Iowa only beats Wisconsin one out of the next five years, that would feel like a disappointment. Because what makes you think they're not? What makes you think they're going to win more than once in the next five years, though? If they couldn't beat Wisconsin, two thousand one to two thousand ten nine, those eight years. Okay. I'm not. Nah, nah. It's a, I mean, it's a good fine. point. But I guess here, and also a, also no. And here's the thing: he's won one of the last five against Purdue. I mean the the stats against Wisconsin, Purdue, and Northwestern are not pretty. They, they, you're not going to get me to spin this, Ben. They're they're ugly okay. stats. The the stats against Iowa State, Nebraska, Minnesota. I, I think great. he's gotten if, fat off of those teams. He, let me let me flip it this way: if next six years Iowa gets to the Big Ten championship twice. Is that is that worth it? To to me, that would be the case for it being worth it. Is last six years Iowa's gotten there twice? That is. Or is true. it seven? You're right. Yeah. It's okay. seven. No, it's seven. It's two out of seven. Twenty fifteen in this year. Yeah. Um, so I guess you're right. Two out of seven. Two is t- maybe three out of seven. Maybe nice to be three out of seven. Three out of seven. That's great. Yeah. Almost fifty percent. I mean, that's that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I think two out of se- two out of seven is where it needs to be. Three out of seven would be great. Mm-hmm. If you last seven years, I, th- I think it's possible. I think it's possible. Um, yeah. So Ben, any any closing thoughts? That was it. I mean, that's but that's what I wanted to talk about. The very first minute of this podcast was <laughs> the, uh, the extension. So <laughs> I'm sorry. That out of my chest. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be. Splicing up this portion of the podcast to to call ourselves on it uh, in seven years. Oh my god! If we're yeah, talking about this, if you years. think I'm going to have that amount of free time in seven years, you're absolutely right. What well, you're starting to get calls back, <laughs> text back. So, People are starting to respond. To your oh texts. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, <God>. All right. <laughs> so for for Ben Ross, I'm Harrison Starr. Go Hawks. Uh, Be Purdue. Fuck the Packers. Yeah.